All right. I um, am going to be talking, of course, about music, but not just, I'm not going to be teaching you how to sing or how to read music. I'm going to be talking about biblical principles of music. What does the Bible, the spirit of prophecy, have to say about music? Um, I know that this has been a subject that's been really confusing to me in the past, and I know some of you said that you've heard music seminars before already, so some of this may be review, but hopefully we can gain a blessing from this. So I'm going to have to be moving back and forth here. I don't have a clicker. But I just wanted to start with a word of prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and for this chance to be here at the Montana Youth Conference. Lord, we know that we are going to receive a blessing today and throughout this weekend. And I just pray now that your Holy Spirit would be in this room and that nothing I say would glorify me, but it would only glorify you, Lord. Help your name to be uplifted and help us to learn something new about music and what you have in mind for us regarding this issue. We thank you so much and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I'm going to be, first of all, I want to let you know if any of you have any questions about music in general or about anything that I have to say, I have a little bowl in the back with some papers, some pens that you can write down. Um, the last class that I'm going to be doing is for questions and answers, and also I have some already that I've been asked before. I did this class in Ukraine um, several months ago. We have an AFCO class there that's just started, and so I was able to share there. It was a little different because I had to use a translator. Um, so I had to actually extend my material, because when you use a translator, of course, that cuts out half of your time. So I had to combine some different classes and things um, to do this. But I want to start off by sharing a little bit um, about my experience, I guess, with music and my struggles, my testimony, and where I got started in music ministry. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to mention before I get started is that music can be a very, very sensitive issue with people. And I don't know what your backgrounds are with music or what your experiences are, but I know um, with me anyways, I've been to a lot of music seminars. And um, I fought the things that I heard for a really long time. Because music is not um, like a lot of other topics. It's not just a head knowledge. It's an emotional issue. And so it touches our hearts in a way that a lot of other things don't. And so some things are a little bit sensitive. Um, sometimes when I present this seminar, I step on a lot of toes. I know in Ukraine, I had a, a Adventist pastor arguing with me about some of the things that I said. That was interesting, but it was good for me because it, ha it gave me the opportunity to really study and to know what I believe to be true and to be able to defend what I believed about that. Um, but I want you to know that I'm not going to be presenting anything that I haven't already struggled with. So, you know, a lot of times you go to these places and, and there may be young people that say, uh, I, you know, this person doesn't really understand what I'm going through. They don't understand the, um, the struggles that I have with music, but I understand because I've been there not too long ago, actually. And so I'm not up here to shove agendas or my opinions about this topic. Um, I pray that I can have a balanced view on this. I've been to a lot of seminars that weren't necessarily balanced. They were a lot of science and facts and things just forced down your throat, and that's not what I want to do. I just want to present what I've learned from the Bible, the spirit of prophecy, um, the principles that I believe that God gives us on the issue of music. Um, you know, when I f was first asked to do this seminar for the first time, I have to admit I was a lot like Jonah. I, I ran from it. You see, I'm not a teacher, really. I'm, I'm a singer. I'm a musician. Um, my husband is the teacher. He's the preacher. And I've always done everything that I can to stay away from that. So when they asked me to do this, I, I remember I was complaining to my husband so desperately. I said, I really don't want to do this. Just give me a microphone and let me sing, and I'll be happy. That's what I do. I sing. I don't teach. And um, he told me, he said, you know, somebody wants you to do this, and I don't believe it's the person that asked you. I believe God is the one that wants you to do this. And so I remember I got down on my knees, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do, you're going to have to give me a big sign because I don't want to do this. And it was in with just a few days, I got a phone call from somebody else asking me to present the same seminar. 
The funny thing is, is that I had never done a seminar like this before, nor had I told anyone that I wanted to. So within a week, now I have two people asking me to do this. So I took that as my sign from the Lord. <laughs> and uh, the first time was when I went to um, Ukraine and shared it there with the students. Ended up being a really uh, big blessing, not just for them, but for me. And uh, so as uncomfortable as some of the things may be for me to say, I believe that God placed me up here. And uh, just like he drugged Jonah and he put him on the boat where he was supposed to, or took him off the boat and put him where he was supposed to go, I believe that is what God is doing with me. So I want to share from my heart what I've learned, some of my struggles, and uh, what I believe God has for us with the issue of music. Um, I'm going to be actually sharing a lot of things from Pastor Ivor Meyer's presentation. Some of you may have heard it, Sonic Warfare. Um, by his permission, I actually uh, talked to him and asked him if I could use some of his material because out of all of the seminars that I went to, some of which were really helpful, um, his actually was the most helpful for me at the time um, in my life. And I think the reason for it was that he didn't just present a bunch of facts, but he presented um, something that was biblical, and it was from the viewpoint of, this has something to do with my relationship with God. And so it involved the heart, too. And, you know, um, that's really what I want to emphasize, is we can talk about music all day long, and we can share all the facts of what's good and what's bad, but if we don't see how it relates to our relationship with God, then it's never really going to change. It might change for a while. We may say, okay, this music is not the best, and we may put it away for a while. But if it hasn't changed our hearts, and if we haven't seen how it affects our relationship with God, then it's not going to stick. And so that's what I want to really emphasize. Um, I want to share a little bit about my testimony, some pictures for you guys. Um, me singing, doing what I love best, um, Wes and I, and those are my parents on the right, a very, very big part of my life. Um, you know, you may be wondering what qualifies me to stand up here and talk about this. And, you know, I've asked myself that question sometimes. I don't have a degree in music, I'll just tell you that. Um, I am not a super educated person. I haven't studied for years and years on this issue. But what I can tell you is that I'm a musician, I'm a singer, I love singing, I love ministry through music, and I can speak from personal experience because I've struggled, I've gone, and I've studied it for myself. And so what I can share with you is what I've learned through my own studies. Um, I've learned that God doesn't always call the qualified. You ever heard that statement before? A lot of times God qualifies the called. So he calls us first, and we say, God, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. And then God says, don't you worry about that. I've called you. I'm going to qualify you. And so that's kind of been my case. But I want to tell you a little bit about where I come from. Um, I was raised in an Adventist home. My dad is a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And so I was immersed in that. Um, I had very godly Christian parents, a great upbringing. And they taught me everything that the best that they could, but... Have you heard the reputation of pastor's kids? It's not always the best, is it? <laughs> and, you know, we wonder, why? Why are pastor's kids known for being rotten? Um, but I think in my case, you know, I went through that rebellious stage. I, I think I hid it better than a lot of my other PK pastor kids' uh, friends. But I, I went through that stage, and I think for me, the reason was I hated the fact that everybody was watching me all the time, and then I had to live up to their standard of what I was supposed to be as a pastor's kid. I hated that. And so instead of taking that as a responsibility and saying, Lord, this is a chance to be a witness for you, I rebelled against it, and I want to do everything the opposite of what I was supposed to do so that I didn't have to be on that pedestal. Um, so it was a challenge, but you know, one of the, um, the toughest things for me growing up was in regards with music. I was a music addict. I'm still a music addict. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a little bit different than it was then. But I, um, I was a musician. My, my mom, was she's a piano teacher. My sisters and I sang together all the time. And being raised in a, a pastor's family, um, I was expected to sing in church from the time I was old enough to talk. So I was three and four, and I'm singing in church. And I remember 
being with my sisters at four years old and them trying to teach me all the harmony parts to these songs. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just would repeat them and sing together. And it was so much fun. But I have to say that um, it was more fun than it was meaningful or ministry. And, um, and I'm going to share with you how that changed. But, you know, for me, I am now, thankfully, I'm a minister first and foremost. I've been a Bible worker. I'm married to a minister. We've traveled. Um, and I've had the opportunity now to do concerts and sing all around the world. I've been in Ukraine and Malaysia and different places. And it's been such a blessing now that the Lord has worked in my life to be able to use music as a ministry and to share that. Um, I've been able to sing for different ministries, Amazing Facts, and It Is Written, and um, on Adventist World Radio, and all these things I don't say to boast of myself because I know that I'm not the best singer in the world. I know God has given me a talent of singing, but there are many people who can sing better than me. But the point is, is that when we commit our lives to God in ministry, he begins to open up the doors to use that ministry. And so I'm blessed to have had that opportunity. So although music has been a big part of my life, it's also been a very confusing part. Um, being raised in a home where most secular music was thought to be wrong, and I say most because not all of it was wrong, um, depending on what my parents wanted to listen to. Um, you know, oldies, that's not so bad, or a little bit of country here and there, that's not so bad, but you can't listen to rock, and you can't listen to this, and you can't listen to that. And so I had this discrepancy in my mind between some secular, no, I, I was confused on it. Um, I was also told that um, Christian rock was wrong, but Christian country music, southern gospel, some of that was okay. In my mind, growing up, it was all the same, you know, so I didn't understand that. Um, I was told that we couldn't listen to a lot of drums um, in the church, or no drums in the church, but at home was a different story. That was okay. That didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand the difference because no one explained these things to me. No one talked about these things. Um, so the boundaries were very unclear for me. I was really confused. And looking back, I see now that my parents were really just trying to do the best that they could. They didn't understand these issues either. And I think that's what's happened in our church today is people don't talk about this issue. They don't talk about music because in the Bible, we have things that are black and white, right? The Bible says that this day is the Sabbath we should keep. The Bible says certain things about the state of the dead. It has these different black and white areas. But when it comes to the issue of music, many times we say, that's a gray area. Nobody can understand it, so we don't talk about it. And then people are just left to themselves to listen to what they think is right. And have you ever noticed that everybody's opinion is different? And so it gets really confusing. But so all these boundaries, they're just kind of overlapping and confusing. And so I began to listen to everything, country, rock, R&B, pop, anything and everything. I, like I said, was a music addict. And so I would go into my room when I got home from school. I would lock myself in my room, put my headphones on because I didn't want my parents listening to what I was listening to. And I would crank it up and listen to it. And I was also a songwriter. And so I would write these really depressing songs that reflected the music that I was listening to. So it was like this cycle. I would listen to it, it would affect my mood, and then I would write the same thing. A vicious cycle. So later on, um, as I started to sing more and more in church, you know, it was interesting. Because I would be at home and I would listen to one type of music. I would get to church. And all that music would be put aside, and I would sing only the most beautiful, conservative, just pretty songs that one could think of, you know? No, not even a hint of drum, and all these things, my, my tracks that I used were just perfect. And I would sing in church and put on my happy face, and then I would go home and go back to the music I was listening to. It was like I had a split personality on the issue of music. And you know, I, I think this, this stems over more than just, into more than just music. In a lot of areas in our lives, we do the same thing. We live one way for the church and for the people out there, and then we get home, and we do something totally different. And so that was the case for me. Um, later on, I had my conversion experience. That's a whole other story in itself. But the Lord really got a hold of me, and I was really convicted on a lot of the music I was listening to, uh, mainly the secular music. I realized that you know, the lyrics to the songs that I was listening to were probably not the best for me. So I, I put away my rock and my pop and all this music. I, I put it aside. 
But then I had this emptiness inside of me, like this hole. All the stuff I used to listen to was now gone. And so I had to fill it with something else. So I turned to the Christian versions of all the same types of music I was already listening to. So then I started listening to Christian rock and Christian pop and Christian country and Christian rap and all these things and thought, you know, now I'm doing good because I have the Christian lyrics. So here you go again. I'm saying one thing, I'm doing one thing, I'm living one thing, but in my mind I'm really confused still because I just can't seem to fit these two together. Okay, they're the same, but they're different, but they're the same. So I was really confused, and I went through this time, and I remember um, I, I ended up going to a couple different music seminars around this time, and I heard about what good and mus uh, bad music was. And a lot of it was really good stuff, but like I said earlier, a lot of it was just science and facts. And um, it was all really convincing to my head, but it wasn't really convicting to my heart. And so I remember even one time I was so convinced that this was true, what he was saying about certain types of music. I went home and I took all of my CDs and I put them in a big box. And I boxed it up and I stuffed it in my closet and I said, I've got the victory over this. I'm not going to listen to this anymore. What was my problem? <laughs> the CDs were still there. I had not really given it up or gained the victory. It was a temporary thing. And you know what happened? The first time I had a moment of weakness, what do you think? Those CDs came back out. And at first it was just this CD and I started listening to a little and then more and more and more. And the problem is we're going to see as we get into this deeper is that when we start justifying little things, before we know it, more and more becomes appropriate to us. And so we say, well, this isn't much different to the, than the song I was just listening to, so this is okay. And then we get further and further until before we know it, in my case, that one time, I started listening to all the secular stuff again and even worse stuff than I was listening to before. And so that's um, what I'm going to talk about today is that slippery slope that we often find ourselves in and how we can gain the victory over that, how we can understand where those principles need to lie. Um, as I said, I'm not a, science, a scientist. I'm not going to stand up here and give you a bunch of facts. I may uh, mention some from time to time. Um, but mainly we want to talk about how music affects your relationship with God. If you're listening to a certain kind of music that may be hurting your relationship with God, don't you want to know about that? I know for me I did. I said, okay, if you can show me how this affects my relationship with God, then tell me. I want to know it. Otherwise, forget it. I don't care. And so that's the angle that I want to come to, um, to this issue. In the next few classes, I hope to make this very clear to you. And if not, that's what the question bowl is back there for. <laughs> so anything that's not clear you don't have, or you still have questions, write it down, put it in the bowl, and we'll get to it later. So in the first class, I'm going to be talking about God's original plan for music. And um, I want to talk about three different points that I've found um, when I've looked at this issue. Does, we're going to talk about different things, um, what God intended when he created music. Does God even care about music? And so the first point that I want to talk about is that music was created to drive away evil and distressing spirits. The next one, music was created to minister to others. And thirdly, music was created to praise God. So I want to spend some time talking about these three. And I'm not saying that these are the only three things that music was created for. But these were the main things that I saw in my studies. So I want to split them apart now, go through them one at a time, and see how the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy shows this to us. Um, so our first point is that music, as we see in the Bible, was created to drive away evil spirits. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 16, 23. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Okay, and this is the story of David and Saul. You're probably pretty familiar with it. And it says, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp, and he played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. I love this story because we see this man, Saul, 
who is completely distressed and he's possessed at this time. He's just given himself over completely to the devil. And what happens? David, who's a man of God, he comes in and he wants to use his music for God to be able to refresh Saul's soul. And it says actually that it scared the spirit, the evil spirit away, which is really powerful because many times we think about a sermon or um, scripture being able to drive those evil spirits away. But did you know that even godly music can do this? That those spirits hated to be in the place where godly music was played. And so the, this is the first point is that we can use music to refresh people's soul, to refresh our own souls, and to drive those evil and distressing spirits away. Um, I'm going to discuss this actually a little bit more in our next class. But we see here from the Bible this example, and I'm going to be reading a little bit later on um, how this was also showed in the life of Jesus. So the second point is that music was created to minister to others. First Chronicles 6, 31 and 32. We're just going over a little ways here. First Chronicles 6, 31 and 32. You know, I'm just picking a few verses because there were so many to choose from. And for sake of time, I can only use a few. So verses 31 and 32. This is um, talking about in the sanctuary, in the worship service. And it says, and there, these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord, after that the ark had rest. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing, until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they waited on their office according to their order. So what did it say that they were doing with their music? It says that they were ministering before the house of the Lord. And so music here is used to minister or to share salvation, to share the gospel, and to bring joy. And it was a very important part of the worship service. Over and over again, as you read about the sanctuary and the worship that took place, we see that music was a vital and important part. And I'm actually going to be talking in the third class about music that um, should or should not be used in the sanctuary and how we see that in the Bible. Um, unfortunately, today, uh, music, even sometimes Christian music, it's used to minister, but who is it ministering to? Usually to us, right? Many times we forget that music should be used to minister to others as well. Um, God wants us to be blessed and to be ministered by, mute, by music, but we should be thinking about how we can use music to minister to others. We should always have our evangelistic caps on. And um, so also in the third class, I'm going to spend more time on music and evangelism. And so we see that sometimes music becomes almost selfish. Um, it becomes something that, because it's an emotional thing and it reaches our hearts, we use, use it as kind of a, um, a way to make ourselves feel better. And we forget about service and music. So we should listen to music that ministers to our own souls, but more importantly, that ministers to others. And so let's look at the third point here. Music was created to praise God. Going over to the book of Psalms. Psalms has so much to say about music. David is a kindred spirit because David was a musician. He was a poet. And so I, I love to read the Psalms. Many times in my prayers, I will read some of the Psalms or, or um, make up music to some of the words because I know there was music to, to be Psalms, and, and it bothers me that I don't know what the music is, so I have to make up my own. Um, Psalms 47.6 says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises. Seems like he's trying to get a point across, doesn't it? Sing praises to God. I believe that's what David did when he sang. Psalms 59:16 says, "But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble." And lastly, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. You guys probably know this verse, uh, this passage. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what was music first and foremost created for? 
what was they created for here in this, in this last point? It's right there for you. <laughs> to praise God. It was created for many things, but this is like the ultimate. This is what music was created for, was to praise God. Create, we need to praise him as our creator, our redeemer, our recreator. And all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that those who were God's people used music for this purpose. We don't see them using music for selfish purposes. Or even though there were times when they used music in the secular uh, realm, um, it always had that aspect of praising God and glorifying him for the gift of song. And we know also that in the, in the new earth, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be singing. That makes me so happy. I can't wait to be able to get together with the choir in heaven with the angels and all of the believers from past time and be able to sing. What a choir that's going to be. That's going to sound amazing. Nobody's going to be off key. <laughs> you know, I remember there's, Ellen White says something about there was a time when, when she was in church and there were people singing off key and she said she just wanted to dig her, her hands into the pew in front of her. And it made me feel so much better because I thought, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> but in heaven, we won't have to worry about singing off key. We'll all just be sounding perfect together. So the question is, the music that you're listening to, the music that you're singing, is it used for the purpose of praising God? And if it's not, then you probably want to reconsider the music that you're listening to because we see that praise is one of the things that music was created for. So we want to ask the question, what gives music the power to minister, to drive away evil spirits, to praise and honor God? You know that the Bible says that God is our melody. And I'm going to be sharing that verse with you later, but it says that he is our song. So when we write music, what's the purpose? Do we have any songwriters in here? Any of you? Okay, so how you guys write music a little bit. Why do you write music? What's the purpose of it? Right, we're com communicating a message. We are writing down our thoughts and our feelings to God or to whoever we're writing the song to. Um, it's a reflection of our thoughts, our ideas, on paper and then in song. So if God created music, what do you think his purpose was? Probably the same thing, right? Music is to reflect the character of God. As we listen to good, godly music, it's a reflection of what he's thinking, of what his ideas are, of who he is. So if this is true, if music is a um, creative expression of love, if it's a reflection of who God is, then if we're listening to the wrong type of music, then the opposite would be true, that we're getting a wrong reflection of who God is and of his character. And that's what the second class is, what we're going to talk about. So, question. Does God care about music? Seems like a silly question, but absolutely, God created music. There's music all throughout the Bible, and there will be music in the new earth. God loves music. And I believe that um, he wants us to enjoy it and to love it as well. So we want to look now into the life of Christ. And we want to see these three points that we've talked about. Did Christ follow these principles in his own life regarding music? So let's look now to see if the music that Jesus sang and listened to follow the three principles that we talked about already. We want to see how important music was to Christ and, um, and how these things were reflected in his own life. So the first question, we, or the first point we talked about was driving away evil spirits. So did Jesus' music drive away evil spirits and calm those who listen? Can you guys see that quote? Is it big enough to see? All right, so I want to read this quote to you from The Desire of Ages, page 73. She says, Often he expressed the gladness of his heart by singing psalms and heavenly songs. Often the dwellers of Nazareth heard his voice raised in praise and thanksgiving to God. He held communion with heaven in song. And as his companions complained of weariness from labor, they were cheered by the sweet melody from his lips. His praise seemed to banish the evil angels, and like incense, fill the place with fragrance. The minds of his hearers were carried away from their earthly exile to a heavenly home. So did Jesus follow this first principle? What is it? It says there that his praise seemed to banish 
evil angels. The music that he was singing to God was so pure, was so holy, that evil angels could not stand to be in the presence of his music. That's powerful to me. So I can just imagine these people are standing around and they're, you know, the spirit of prophecy talks about how the devil would use people to try and get Jesus down and to discourage him and they would come and they would complain. And he was being tempted to join in that. But what did Jesus do? He sang praises to God. And in singing, he banished those evil spirits. And it says that the people who were listening were carried away from their earthly exile to their heavenly home. So here they are. They're down in the dumps. They're complaining. They're trying to drag Jesus down. Jesus starts singing. The evil spirits leave. And all of a sudden, their minds are taken heavenward. And this goes into our next point, which was, did the music that Jesus sang and listened to minister to others? Well, we just read in the previous um, quote that absolutely it was ministering. But let's read another one. In the book Evangelism, page 498, while Christ was working at the carpenter's bench, Others would sometimes surround him, trying to cause him to be impatient. But he would begin singing some of the beautiful psalms. And before they realized what they were doing, they had joined with him in singing, influenced as it were by the power of the Holy Spirit, which was there. I wish that I could say that I always had that influence on people around me. How many times when people are around and they're complaining and they're talking about things, how many times do we slip into it and we join in that conversation with them. Instead, wouldn't it be better to sing like Jesus did psalms and praises to God? When, when you start singing, I have friends that do this and sometimes it's irritating, but then after a while they sing and they sing and what do we do? We start smiling and then before we know it we're singing with them, right? I don't know if you guys know Don McIntosh and people who, who listen on Audioverse will know Don McIntosh and I can say this because he's a good friend, but Don McIntosh is someone who is irritatingly happy. And he, you will be so upset and grumpy and you just want to sulk. And Don comes bouncing in the room and he's singing. And that's the last thing you want to hear is singing. But after a while, you can't help it. And before you know it, you're joining in and you're singing too. And that's what God wants us to do. That was the example of Jesus was instead of getting discouraged and complaining, to sing praises to God and to minister to others in doing that. So what was our third point? Do you remember the third point that we talked about? Exactly. Our third point was, did Jesus use music to praise his heavenly Father? I think this is a pretty obvious question here. But we want to read a couple of statements. Jesus was so filled with love for God that his heart could not contain his praise, and it spilled forth from his lips in beautiful music. The early morning often found him in some secluded place, meditating, searching the scriptures, or in prayer. With the voice of singing, he welcomed the morning light. With songs of thanksgiving, he cheered his hours of labor and brought heaven's gladness to the toil-worn and disheartened. Jesus loved to sing praises to his heavenly Father. And it's really a rebuke to me as I think about so many times that I just focus on myself and I forget what music was created for, and that is to praise God. So if Jesus used these three principles of music in his life, don't you think that it would be safe for us to follow them as well? Uh, and I am going to share this with you in a minute, but as I have by God's grace, started to incorporate these principles into my own life regarding music. It has changed everything about music. It's revolutionized the way that I think. Um, I've never seen examples of godly people in the Bible use music for any other purpose than for these three principles or something that goes along with them. It was for their enjoyment, of course, but these three principles were always followed. So. It's interesting to see that music was sung to, by angels to announce the birth of Jesus. Music was a part of his life throughout his ministry on earth. Music was sung as he ascended back into heaven. And we're told that we'll be singing beautiful music as Jesus returns to take us home. That's beautiful to me because I love music so much, because I'm such a musical person, to see how important it is to the heart of God makes me happy. 
And it makes me not just happy, but it makes me want to spend more time looking in the ways that I can glorify God through my music. Um, so I ask you the question again. Obvious question. Is music important to God? Still questioning this? Is music important to God? Absolutely. You know, Jesus knew the power of music, and he knew that if he filled his heart and his mind and his voice with singing to God, that he would be able to resist the devil's temptations, that he would be able to minister to others, and that he, he would continue to praise his Father. So have you ever experienced this in your own life? Have you experienced the power of music? You know, there are many times when I'm tempted to sin or to do something that I know I shouldn't do, and when I do the right thing, and I put a song in my heart and I sing praises to God, is it easy to sin when you're singing praises to God? No, it's not, especially if you sing scripture songs. Um, if you're singing those songs and you're singing those scriptures, those thoughts of sin, of the wrongdoing, start to leave your mind. And, and I really believe that many times we miss the true meaning or the true purpose of music, and we miss opportunities to resist the devil by singing those songs. How many of you guys know the song, Change My Heart, Oh God? Three, four, five, six, okay. <laughs> Do you know it well enough to sing it with me now? Yeah? Okay. The others of you can join in. Because I, I, I want to make a point here, but this is a nice song. It's a music seminar. We'll sing. So, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Question. How did you feel while we were singing that song? What were the thoughts that were going through your head? Change my heart, oh God. And that's the power of music. When we sing godly music that has depth, that means something, especially scripture songs, it, it does change our hearts and it causes our mind to dwell on the things that we're listening to rather than the temptations that the devil wants to throw at us. And you know, that's a really good point because if we're listening to music that does not glorify God, that does not have depth and meaning to it, then what are we going to be thinking about? What is our mind going to be dwelling on? Those things that we're listening to, right? Or if it's a really shallow song and there's not much to it, then our mind is going to be wandering on everything else that we probably shouldn't be thinking about. And so that's why it's so important to fill our mind, to fill our hearts with godly music and things that God wants us to listen to. Um, you know, I believe that we are living in really tough times. And it's a society where we're bombarded by everything, by all kinds of stuff. Everywhere we go, we hear music that is not glorifying to God. And it's so hard to get away from it. But that's why it's so important in our, in our own personal lives to be guarding our hearts, to be guarding our ears, and to be listening to those things that God wants us to. So I want to look now, I want to make this personal. We've seen... Um, how these principles were used in the lives of people in the Bible. We've seen how Jesus used them in his own life. But how can we make this personal? I want to share with you how these three principles have changed my own life personally, and hopefully how you can also use them in your life. Um, as I already mentioned earlier, um, I've listened to a lot of music over the years. I've listened to a lot that didn't follow these principles. Uh, but in earlier years, I've been praying that God would help me to focus more on, on music that glorifies him. And I realize now that the music that I used to listen to, most of it was purely just selfish. I was listening to it for selfish reasons. And as I realize now, 
when I was singing in church, most of the time I was even singing for selfish reasons. And it really breaks my heart to think about that now. But really, most of the time it was because it was fun or I liked the attention when I was singing up front. And it didn't really change me or draw me closer to God. And I know that for the most part it wasn't drawing others closer to God either. But when I began to look at music in light of how God created it, all of that began to change. Um, when you're struggling spiritually or you're having a hard day, listening to uplifting spiritual music that will drive away those evil spirits and calm and refresh your soul will make a huge difference in how you deal with things. And this has been the case in my own life. You know, I used to get depressed, and I would go and I would lock myself in my room and I would listen to depressing music. And as I would listen to the depressing music, it would make me more depressed. And so instead of doing that, I started listening to songs that would uplift me, that would encourage me spiritual, spiritually and remind me how great God is. And I saw that that music that I was listening to now really did refresh my soul. And it made a huge difference in my attitude and how I dealt with things. When I was a young teenager, I was in a deep state of depression for several years. I remember being really lonely and just miserable about everything in life because I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew all about God, but I didn't know him personally. And so I would go listen to those songs and it was like this vicious cycle. You know, instead of listening to music that was opposite of how I felt to cheer me up or to make me feel better, I would listen to music that was exactly how I felt. Does that make any logical sense? If you're feeling bad, do you want to listen to bad, sad music? Or should you want to listen to happy, uplifting music? And so the more depressed I got, the more I listened to depressing music, and the more I got depressed. Then I would gain inspiration, as I said earlier, from the music that I was listening to to write my own music, which ended up sounding depressing. So it was one depressing mess. So question again, does music affect our emotions? Does it affect how we feel? So you need to be careful what you listen to. When you're having a bad day, when you're struggling spiritually and you know those evil spirits are bombarding you and the devil's trying to tempt you, don't go listen to sappy love songs or to sad, depressing music. I mean, that's what we're drawn to. We're lonely, so we go listen to sappy love songs about so-and-so that found the perfect woman and, and then we realize, oh, we'll never attain that and we get more depressed, right? So instead of listening to that kind of stuff, we need to listen to music that encourages us and lifts us up to heaven. Secondly, we talked about music ministering to others. So don't be selfish with your music. It should be ministry. And if you're a musician, which I know several of you in here are, don't sing or play for yourself, but for the purpose of ministering to others. And in return, I promise that you will be blessed. Also, listen to music that will minister to your own heart and help you resist temptation. You know, I was telling someone this story last night when I was... 16, I believe it was, I decided to give my first concert. And this was a time when I still didn't have a, a relationship with God. Um, my parents and I were moving from the place I'd lived for 11 years to another um, state. And so everyone said, you should give a going away concert. You have such a nice voice. Why don't you do a whole concert for us and say goodbye? And I was really excited about this. It made me feel important. You know, I get to do a whole hour of music for these people. So my dad comes to me, and he says, um, you do realize that you need to say something in between each song. And I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, well, in a concert, it's not just singing, usually. You know, you need to, to share some testimonies in between and, and share what the song means to you and all these things. I was terrified. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just up there to sing. And uh, I, you know, I thought, well, I don't have any testimonies to share. I didn't have a relationship with God. What was I going to say? And so I actually, I didn't tell my dad all of this, but I actually made him do the talking for me. I said, you're the preacher. I'm the singer. So I'll sing the songs. You introduce it, and you say something about the song, and then I'll, I'll sing. And that's what we did. And, you know, I have it on, on videotape. And I, I watched it a couple years ago, or I just watched part of it. 
and it was embarrassing because <laughs> I thought, these are not my thoughts, these are not my feelings, these are my dad's, and then I'm just singing the song. But it's so sad for me now to look back on that experience because I, I, I wish that I had used that opportunity more wisely and realized the importance of music and ministry. And I believe that there were times when God truly used me anyways to bless someone else in spite of me. God does that sometimes, doesn't he? Sometimes when we're down spiritually and we're not at our strongest, God can still use us, and I know that happened. But when I gave my life to the Lord, and it changed me even musically, I saw how it changed the people that I was singing to. When I stopped singing for myself and I thought of others, and I sang strictly for the purpose of blessing their heart with the message and song, I saw huge, drastic results. And people started weeping and crying, and they would come up to me and say, my heart has been touched. I've been drawn closer to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. That's the purpose of music. So you may not be a, a great musician. Maybe not all of you here are musicians. But think of ways that you can still use music to minister to others. If you can sing or play an instrument, go to a nursing home and play and sing for those elderly people. My parents used to both work in a nursing home. And we would go every once in a while and sing to them. We would sing the old hymns, and many of them would sing along. And it was such a blessing to them. You know, music can touch people's hearts and lives in a way that sometimes the spoken word can never do. And so sometimes people cannot be reached or touched through the word until their hearts are softened by a song. And, and that's what I desire to do now. You know, there's a story that just happened recently in England. Um, there's a new school of evangelism up there. And someone told that they were out knocking on doors. And, you know, England is a very, very secular place. And it's a difficult place to do door-to-door -door work. I mean, we think America stuff. Go to England. It's even harder. And so they're knocking on doors, and they're just getting rejection after rejection. Doors are slamming in their faces. And these young people are so depressed. And so they say, you know what, we just need to take a break. So they go in the middle of the streets, like a little circular area in the middle of town, and they all sit down there, and they're just really discouraged. And someone says, why don't we sing? You know, just let's cheer. They were using that principle. Let's sing and cheer our hearts up and, and sing praises to God. And so they started singing quietly at first. And then they started to get happier, and more people started joining in. And before you know, the, you know, the whole group is singing, and they're singing praises to God. And what do you think started to happen? Some of those doors that had just slammed, people started peeking their heads out because they heard this music outside. And they started looking, what is this? What is this beautiful music that we hear? And then some people came all the way out of the door because they really wanted to get a closer look and to hear more. And then before you know it, people are starting to walk over to where they are because they want to hear the music and they want to be involved. And so they sit down and they're listening and the people singing thought, this is a great opportunity. So they got those Bible study cards that they had in their hands that no one would take at the door, and they're singing, and they start passing them out. And people were taking them left and right. They were taking all the literature, all the enrollment cards. And that, to me, was such proof that when we use music for the right purposes, when we use music to minister to others, God can open amazing doors. And that's what happened in England. And I, I think, as I said earlier, that we miss our opportunity so many times to do that. So then our third point was that we should sing and listen to music that praises God. Music should not be about us, but about the God who created us. It's for him only that we should sing. You know, I started listening to, and um, when I started listening to and singing more songs that praise God, um, it changed everything. I started to go back to my old history roots, and I started relearning some of the hymns that I had forgotten, and not just hymns, but other songs as well. You know, I believe that God has raised up many great songwriters um, to write songs for our day that are beautiful, that are godly, and have great messages, and as I started to really delve into them, it changed my heart and it changed my life, and I know that it can for you as well. Um, you know, my songwriting has changed too. If you were to read some of the songs that I wrote um, several years ago, you'd be depressed. Remember, depressing mess. But my songs have changed. And I hope and pray that God will continue to work in me in such a way 
that my songs that I sing will be a blessing to others. These three things have revolutionized my life, and I know that they can yours as well. If you don't mind, and I, I wasn't going to do this, but I want to. <laughs> um, I think that it will be a good thing. Um, we don't need the internet here. I would like to read to you a song that I wrote um, just a few years ago. And this is, was my desire. When I learned these things that I'm sharing with you, these were the thoughts that came into my heart. It's called, or sing a song. Inside of my heart, there's a burning desire, a desire for something more. I can't quite explain what this feeling is, but you know my heart, O oh Lord. At times, it's hard for me to see that dreams really can come true, but I'll be what you want me to be, dear Lord, if I just let it go and I give it to you. I want to reach the world for you with melodies of praise. I want to spread the gospel truth in so many different ways, in all of your perfect ways. Throughout my life, I've felt the love that God has given me. He's filled my heart with such great joy before I could not see. It thrills my soul to work for God in all the ways I have, but in my heart I long to do more, and with his help I can. I want to sing to young and old of the change inside of me. I want to sing of things untold and how you set men free. Lord, help me pray the prayer of Paul to be content in all I do, to open my heart and give you my all, cast away my desires, sing only for you. While you were on earth, you spoke to just one, you saw not a crowd, but each soul. Now if I sing straight to God's own Son, each different heart will soon become whole. I will reach the world for you with melodies of praise. Yes, I will sing the gospel truth in so many different ways, in all of your perfect ways. And that's how God changed my music, where all of a sudden it wasn't about me. It was about reaching the world through music. So we've talked about God's plan, his original plan for music, what it was created for. But the automatic question that comes to our mind is, what about the music we may listen to that does not follow these three principles? Should we be listening to that music? And so the next several classes, we're going to talk about the devil's counterfeit for music. We've seen God's plan, now we want to see the devil's plan and how we can avoid it, how we can resist the devil's trap for us. And so next class, that's what we will be talking about. Let's close in prayer, and then you'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for this time and for revealing to us your plan for music and how you want it to change our lives. Lord, be with us throughout the rest of this day. And give us your love and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.